Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, where two friends tell each other stories about history, politics, and true crime from around 700 miles away. I'm Courtney. And I'm Ashley. So, Ashley, anything good happened to you this week? Some stuff has is pending that I can't really talk about, but I'll tell you after. Okay. Mysterious. But maybe? Oh, my God. oh, yeah. I'm really cultivating an air of mystery over here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm recording downstairs and I have to like, my mom collects those M&Ms, like those Christmas M&Ms, like figurines. that we sell 80 of a day. They're at your work. I'm pretty sure we have them at our store. I don't know, not all stores have the same inventory, but I'm pretty sure we have them. Send me pictures of them because I need to get her something small and she hasn't been able to find them. No, there's about... um, I'll post a picture on Instagram, but this is how we know it's Christmas because there's probably about 30 of them. Like a small army <laughs> of M&M guys. I'm pretty sure we have them. I might have seen them at Hallmark store. You know what? I know what you're talking about. No, there's there's about 30 of them. And I needed to put my coffee somewhere so I had to move one of them. <laughs> there's so many of them. My good thing this week revolves all around food. Is that sad? No. I got. Why would it not be a good thing? Well, no, I got to go to the Slovenian Lodge Christmas party for the first time in six years. What? I know, I was really happy. All the pizza everywhere? No, there's no pizza, but uh, it was good. I got to meet my cousin's baby, who's like, he's six months old. He's a giant. He was a 10 pound baby, so, like, fresh baby, so big kid. <laughs> so was I. So. <laughs> um my mother consistently tells me not only was it the longest day of her life and everyone else's because it was the first day of summer but that I was an 11 pound turkey <laughs> 10 pounds 10 ounces <laughs> oh my goodness like you were legitimately a watermelon <laughs> like thanks mom <laughs> did you get all the treats out of the ball already already go schnitzel yeah schnitzel got her treat ball so that way she would be quiet but now she has finished it and she knows where the treats are so she's just looking at it <laughs> she's german shepherds are too smart yes Let's leave go. the penguins alone <sighs> yes the other things my mom collects are penguins and these m&m guys so that is what my first floor of my house oh and nutcrackers so it's a little creepy right now just all of the M&M's staring in one direction. They're all in the kitchen and like the wall between the kitchen and the living room. And then the living room is all penguins and nutcrackers. Okay, well we definitely have penguins and nutcrackers in CBS. So we don't need more penguins. We do not need more penguins in this house. You don't understand how many there are. <laughs> They're these little like weenie baby penguins. Christmas hats on, and they're really cute. And I can no. just stare at them all day because they're up front. I'm just going to have to post pictures of these Christmas. Like, the penguins aren't even Christmas decorations. They're up year-round. She just got <laughs> more for her birthday. So there's probably about <laughs> there's probably about 20 in the living room right now. Are you hoovering? Are you hoovering? <laughs> That's my sister's trading her to unique terms. 
<laughs> and Hoover is when she needs to go and make sure she got all the bits off the floor. Makes sense. Yeah. But no, so the Slovenian Lodge Christmas party, because, like, for kids, you get to go meet, like, you get your picture with Santa, and until you're, like, I think 14 or 15, you get, like, a gift, if you, as long as you're a member. And then there's, like, really cool, like, beautiful, decorated, like, old ballroom theater area. And then downstairs, they have uh, the food, which you can get, like, a hot dog or a Slovenian sausage, which my sister and I, when we were in high school, would... <laughs> compete to see who could eat the most <laughs> i'm not surprised <laughs> caitlin normally eats like between four and six and this year she ate three because her boyfriend wanted another one and she said i guess <laughs> and mind you she loads on horseradish so it's like ridiculous and then there's cookies like a variety of cookies and this year my dad was the guy in charge of cooking sausage so it's very important <laughs> he's a sausage man <laughs> inappropriate Courtney but funny oh we all made fun of him thoroughly the best part is before you even get into the lodge and this is like one of the bigger ones um you like park and you get out of your car and it just smells like garlic and Slovenian sausage goodness and I was like this is what I want my perfume to be it's just like <laughs> a garlic per- garlic pork perfume <laughs> Is that weird? It just smells so good. I mean, it is, but it isn't at the same time. <laughs> it smells so good. Who would have thought horseradish in your perfume? No, I don't put horseradish on mine. Helen does. She puts enough horseradish to probably kill a horse. <laughs> Fair enough. Now that we've thoroughly... Oh, my... Um, no thoroughly annoyed our listeners with our chit chat oh we're very good at (laughs) chit chat before we move on the dear david update last night because i know i introduced you to this i did not realize you had never seen it before no you've thoroughly ruined (laughs) my night (laughs) for people who don't know because ashley and i actually bonded thoroughly over our love of paranormal things aka watching ghost adventures aka Watching frat bros hunt for ghosts. Dressed in Ed Hardy. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dear David is on Twitter and he, it's this whole thread ghost story where it's like a thing of like 300 some odd tweets now. Yeah, it's very, very long. Um, oh my God, I'm on the wrong Twitter. That would help. <laughs> I get that all the time now. Awesome on your Twitter. Wait, that wasn't the one I meant to be on. Um, okay, so Dear David is Adam Ellis. Uh, he's a cartoonist and he ha- lives in a haunted apartment and Dear David is the ghost child that is haunting him and last night I ha- I set it for alerts because I'm that person now. <laughs> And so I started getting the updates because he's like, sorry, I haven't been posting for a while. And shit went down. Like, the last update was terrible. Because it's like there's, like, a couple pictures. He, like, set up an app on his phone that's one of those things that it takes a picture every 60 seconds. Yeah. 
and it was not a good life choice for him to do. <laughs> yeah, so basically, if you haven't followed the Dear David thread, we can put uh, a link to it in... Um, we, can, we could retweet the latest update from our account if you want. It might be easier. Or the Storify link. Yeah, we'll put the Storify on our account, um, and we'll put links to it on the on our Facebook page so you can figure it out. It's entertaining, but like I read it alone in the dark last night and I should not have done that. <laughs> oh no, that's I did too. That's why I kinda give me a head Like I didn't know what it was. I was just like, what's this thing? And then I was like, Oh, I need to read all these and then I was like, I have to get up, but I don't want to like you know that childhood thing of like when you hear a scary story in bed and you don't want to put your feet down in case something's under the bed. It was that. I was like, I don't want to expose my feet to monsters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> my problem with it is I live in the woods. And uh, yeah. right now because all the, the leaves are gone from the trees, there our house is kind of close to like two streets. And the one, if, tree, if cars drive past it, I get like the trees on the wall effect. Mm-hmm. Which if you're half awake, it's terrifying. It's very scary. And yeah, I yeah I freaked myself out a little bit one too many times living living here because of the woods. But oh my god, I was freaking out. So I needed, and I'm like refreshing my feed trying to get the updates as fast as you could tweet them. So Ashley, what are we discussing this week? So as you know, one of the well, as you can see from the title of our episode, one of the things that my favorite murder talks about is, what is it? Get a job, buy your own stuff, sit out of the forest. We're going to be talking about the last part of that today, which is stay out of the forest. It's a bad choice. Um, so before we do, I want to talk about the National Park Service. Um, there, uh, it was founded... In 1916, I think it was like August 25th. So there are 59 national parks and 352 other sites that are overseen by the National Park Service. And um, I didn't know this, but some of the other sites include like historical prisons like Alcatraz and technically the White House because the White House, it's it's called President's Park. I knew that. Which I did not know. Well, you get an extra cookie. <laughs> I don't have any cookies. Mm, tough luck. There, the, I thought that at first this is going to be like a great episode to do because surely the Park Service keeps wonderful records, right? Wrong. No, they don't. Um, so there have been in the like, I want to say in the hundred years that. It's been a thing that there these disappearances have been, but really the ones that we're going to talk about happened after like 1960. Thanks for more nightmares. I again, I live in the woods. <laughs> I know when you said that, I was like, mm, this is going to be great. She's going to love it. <laughs> you don't live on a national park, though, so you'll be okay. 
right? Nope. You don't nope, I don't live in a national park. I live in a township. Just just right, triangulating well. my position now. <laughs> just just be well be grateful that you live in a township because they probably keep better records than the freaking national parks do. I'm not going to diss them because I might be applying to them, so... <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. There are a lot of people who've disappeared in the forest, like, on national park land. Like, a lot. There isn't any one database that keeps track of it, though. So it's really hard to tell. There are estimates anywhere between, like, 1,600 to... 10 times that. Bureaucracy at work. Aw, yeah. So one of the people who's really been looking into this, of all things, um, is a guy who founded, I think it's like the Search for Sasquatch or something like that, but in his research into Sasquatch came across all of these like missing people. His name is David Pavlidis, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I don't know. Sorry about that. But um, he's come up with some unique factors of disappearances, like that all of these things that he's found um, have in common. So like he rules out the obvious explanations like suicides, um, runaways, like clear runaways. Um, but the ones that he doesn't rule out all have these really interesting things in common. So we're going to go through those really quick. And then I just want to talk. Is it murder? Huh? Is the interesting thing murder? Um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes they find them alive and sometimes they don't. But I don't know, like, more often than not, they just don't find anything at all, which is really depressing. Because Sasquatch. Well, right? No, because, well, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say no, because some of the websites that I found legitimately presented Sasquatch and aliens as, as things that might explain it. So maybe there was one that actually put forth the Wendigo as what's happening to these people. So I'm going to go with it's not that, but you never know. The only thing I know about the Wendigo is from Supernatural. So I don't know how reliable that is. <laughs> that's why I saw it. And I was like, nope, that's not real. <laughs> but I thought I was like, Cordy will get that reference. So we're going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. So his unique factors of disappearances. Um, the first one is the dogs who were unable to track any sense. So like once the missing person report came through and they set out to search for them, they would bring out like dogs to find the scent and hopefully lead them to the person. But a lot of the time they had nothing. Like they would give the dog something to scent on and the dog would find nothing at all. Multiple dogs. Nothing. Well, that's spooky. Weird, right? Um, he noticed that a lot of these, they disappeared, like, in the late afternoon, so around the same time of day. They would be found with their clothes or shoes removed, which is weird, but... Wait, did they find the clothes or shoes, or did they just find the body with clothes and shoes removed? Um, both. There have been, there were some that I read about where they found just like a naked body, but there were some where they couldn't find the body, but they found what the person had been wearing when they left that day. Like, because they'll have, I don't know how to explain it. Like, 
how I phrase it. They would have pictures sometimes of like right before the person went out for their hike or whatever. Yeah. And then they would use that as this is who you're looking for. And they would find the clothes from the picture that were clearly theirs, but not the person. So super spooky. Did they at least fold the clothes really nice so there weren't any creases in that in case they came back? I highly doubt it. <laughs> I mean, that would almost be more ominous than just like a pile of clothes. It just seemed neatly folded clothes. I know, right? I, I, I would, I don't know. It's, it's not good. <laughs> Another thing that they had in common was like, they would find the person in an area they'd already searched. Like, occasionally in places where they're like, there's no way they would be up here. There's no way they could get up here, but we'll check it again anyway. And then they find What the, the fuck? Improbably far from where they were last seen and in improbable terrain is a direct quote from the article that I read about it. Um, and they would like, the places they disappeared from sometimes were you know, a lot in common even though they were were not anywhere like near each other like high altitude areas so like if they're up a mountain um berry patches of all things you think like oh let's go pick berries it's so cute and whimsical no you're gonna die um wait why are we dying from picking berries not it's not from picking the berries it's like when you go up to the berry patch and then you just vanish off the face of the earth the berries are stealing people I mean, that's as plausible as the Wendigo. So, sure, why not? They're just covering one of those really old school traps where it's just a hole in the ground. <laughs> the berries are eating you. What is that movie? Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, where it likes to eat people. The berries eat people. Yes, 100%. I just like to imagine, like, a little cottage on the edge of a berry patch, which I'm completely, like, this is all made up. But I like to imagine it. There's like this carnivorous farmer and his wife just sitting there going, oh, Marge, the berries look great this year. And then just another hiker falls through their trap. And they're like, yes, dinner. Anyone who's got a drawing, please, please, <laughs> please draw that. I'm begging you. No. So it's interesting because they've suggested that it's a serial killer or like a cannibal. And they're like, no, it doesn't make sense for either of those things. Like. If it were a serial killer, the amount of ground they would have to cover and with the amount of people on that area searching for the person, there's no way. And like, it's not just in one, he calls them clusters. So like if more than four people have gone missing in one uh, set geographical area, that qualifies as a cluster. But there are some that as many as 20 have gone missing in that one area alone. But, like, the clusters are spread out over the whole country. So, I mean, <laughs> for one serial killer to be doing it, there's no way. What if there's, like, a pack of people, and then they join the search, and they're searching for the person, and then they just, have like, they lead them the wrong way so they can drop them off or, like, hide stuff and just fuck with the police? I mean, maybe. I don't know. It could be, but I kind of... I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so another area, um, like swamps or places that are quote unquote boulder strewn. So like really rocky areas or really wet, gross areas, people disappear. Swamps kind of makes more sense to me. 
because if you think of a swab, like it could be that they just they were out out in the area and they drowned, or Shrek got them, or Shrek got them because they didn't stay off his land. That mm-hmm. could be it too. Again, ogres just about as likely as the one to go. <laughs> just start. Do you want me to just start a list of things that are? Probably just as likely as the Wendigos. Yeah, let's let's write him a letter. <laughs> like, hey, we saw some people. Keep in mind, he didn't put forth the Wendigo thing, and I don't think he thinks it's Sasquatch. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know. But this is like people extrapolating from what he did write because he wrote like three books, um, the Missing Four One One series. He wrote those, <laughs> but. Anyway, um, so there are also, like, stories of just extremely sudden disappearances. So, like, one of the stories that I read was this girl was out riding horses with her family on National Park land. And she went into this little area of trees, like, they'd stopped for a rest or something. And she went off into the trees to look for something. I don't remember what. There's so many of these stories that, like, they all kind of. She walked into the trees and then she was gone. No one ever saw her. Again. Nope. 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 Like 20 feet from her family. Nope. And they didn't hear anything. Like they went looking for her after her. she didn't come back. And she and like maybe two minutes because they're like, it shouldn't take her that long. Where is she? And she was gone. And dogs never picked up on anything. They never heard from her again. So I mean, like real sudden. If puppies can't pick up on you, fun. you're fucked. I mean, <laughs> a lot of these sound like. I don't know. They sound like they're trying to force the aliens angle real hard, but how, what I don't understand is, okay, say it is aliens, right? Like suspend our disbelief for a second. If an alien is abducting you, they're going to take you on board whatever craft they have, right? So someone's going to see or hear something, even if it's just spaceship noises, right? What are spaceship noises? Please, please tell me. Engines? I don't know. <laughs> but like, if if they are going to all that trouble to abduct someone, maybe they have dampers on their sound. I don't know. But again, why bother? Like, what what did what would they gain from abducting us? That's what always bothers me about like alien stories. Is like, why? What's the point? Yeah. So some similarities they found in the victims. Um, it said the majority of victims are male, um, either mentally handicapped in some way or like in the genius IQ range. Those are two very opposite uh, ends of the spectrum. Right. And there's another theory about that that I'm going to get into in a minute. But um, a lot of the time they're fit and well-equipped, and, like, they know the area where they disappear really well. So it doesn't make sense for that to be the place where they vanish from because they know the area. They have the equipment to survive if something happened, like, if they fell. They what if they what just left everything, you know? I mean, there are cases like that, and a lot of the times... So one of the things that makes finding these people and keeping track of them so hard is that um the park service will help with the search but they aren't the ones a lot of the time oh okay 
that's more of like a local sheriff type situation because of the way the laws were written back in the day. Um, so you run into that whole communicating across departments thing and lack of resources in a lot of these areas where the local law enforcement just doesn't have the finances or the manpower to put on a full search until they find someone like a lot of the times if you go missing in a county that's not super well off you're gonna get a really shoddy quick search because that's all they can afford to do which is there should be like a fund that if you like for poorer counties because think about it's not their fault that they can't afford it right and that was the um i think it was the author this um david guy i think he said like everyone knows someone with cancer but it's a lot rarer to know someone who's gone missing in a national park so if we can raise money for cancer research why can we not raise money for something that's even less likely to happen but just as traumatic it's kind of more traumatic though because think about it cancer you know there's options if someone goes missing you have a set like window of time to find them alive right with cancer like a lot of the times there are indicators or at least things that you could see that are like well i guess i understand how you got it like lung cancer if you're a smoker yeah it makes sense that you had lung cancer but if you're just like some super active person who goes hiking in one area all the time and then you just disappear out of that area there's nothing that would indicate that would happen to you that day like you don't wake up thinking oh i'm gonna vanish today let's go it's it's even less fathomable i guess would be the word so yeah i don't know but the problem isn't even to an extent it's a problem with not having the finances and resources but also there's no one unified body to oversee all of this. So one county, even if they have the exact same budget and the exact same amount of personnel with the same amount of training and all of that, if they don't have the same regulations to conduct the search, the search is going to be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's not anything mandating how to, like, what to do. There's no handbook for it. So you think that's something that FBI probably could help with? You think there's a lot of those dudes, but anyway, or even if they just give the National Park Service the authority to do it. Yeah, because I mean, they do such great work with so many things and the people who work for them are trained and know the area very well. Right. Exactly. Like, who's going to know an area better than someone who has to patrol it all the time? But um, I don't know where I was going. That's good. Oh, I know where I was going to go next. So there, we talked about the Sasquatch Wendigo theory. Talked about aliens. Um, There's, (laughs) somehow this one seems a little more plausible to me, but maybe it's because I've watched too much Stranger Things, um, which you need to still watch. But there's a theory that the government, like, abducts people to conduct secret underground testing. Why is it underground? Um, because the, they aren't, the, th- the thought is that they're not 
treating their human test subjects uh, well, let's say. They're not meeting the ethical guidelines there, which, I don't know, if you think about it, would sort of explain the differences in mental ability there, which that could be a coincidence. It could be completely untrue. I don't know. But that would that would make a lot of sense for that one piece of evidence, yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. I don't know. It doesn't seem as far fetched as it might have seemed a few years ago. <laughs> I think it's especially because, you know, they don't have to worry about protesters if they're people just disappearing. Like you can't protest what you don't know. Right. Well, and it's not like the government hasn't done that before. Like look at the Tuskegee Air or um Whoa. What was the one with the where they gave oh, people, they um, gave the U.S. government tested um, ED treatments on yeah African American population in a the, small town in the South, as well as oh, don't worry. Once they couldn't do that, they moved it to Central America. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like they haven't done that before. Which I don't know. That I just I could see yeah. that being part of what's going on but i don't know anyway so i wanted to the new york post did an article called oh my goodness never ever visit a national park (laughs) and it's six like six entries of um people like cases where people disappeared so i just want to talk about two or three of them because they're bananas um so the first one I want to talk about is called um the first one is called the Death Valley Germans. So Death Valley National Park it says it's a stretch of land that covers like 3 million acres between Nevada and California. Um it's in the Mojave Desert and it's one of the hottest locations yep. on the continent. Like it gets up above 100 degrees consistently so i'm not going right yeah no not the place for me um so the article says i'm just gonna read it to you because it's kind of short and mm-hmm. yeah anyway so it says during a record streak of 120 degree days in july 1996 four german tourists went missing the last known trace of the group was a guest book signature in a box in a small ghost town which can we talk about that for a second? That's great. Um, read seven twenty three ninety six. Connie Egbert George Max. We are going through the pass. So the Rangers assume this is talking about the Mangle Pass, and the family. That's the last they heard. The family didn't make their return flight to Germany on July twenty ninth. So Interpol listed them as missing on August fourteenth. On October twenty third. Um, People found their rental van, and it was locked, abandoned, three flat tires. Okay, so that was October 23rd. They find the van with three flat tires. I mean, the flat tires, it was kind of creepy, but, like, if you think about that's October. They, it's been, they disappeared in July, and it's been real hot. So it doesn't surprise me that, like, the tires popped. But anyway, so, okay. 
So no tracks, wallets, keys, or passports linked to the group were ever found. Dozens of theories circulate about whether they encountered the wrong people, if they died looking for shade, which is just really sad to me, um, or if they'd even like staged their own disappearance. But in 2009, human bones were discovered in Death Valley, and according to the Associated Press, authorities were quote unquote fairly certain. So wait, what is the theory that they just went, they were looking for shade, but how did their tires get popped then? I mean, well, and that's where I think the weather comes in. I'm pretty sure they didn't stage their own disappearance if they find their bones in Death Valley. You know what I mean? So whether they ran into their own people on the trail and got into it, that could be. Or, I mean, it doesn't really say if they were able to tell anything from the bones, but I, I it doesn't say where they found them in Death Valley. So, like, that's still really they sad. They were looking for shade and found it and then decided not to leave and just kind of passed out and died. I don't know. But, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of answers. But as far as the tires go, I mean, if they went through the pass on the 23rd of July, I'm guessing that they were hiking it. They didn't take the van. So the van had been sitting in one place. From July 23rd to October 23rd when it was found with the flat tires, right? So 120 degree days in July. It cools down a little bit as it goes on probably, but that's three months sitting there, record temperatures not moving. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem crazy to me that the tires would pop due to the environmental factors. Yeah. The fact that it was locked tells me that they left it there on purpose. Oh, definitely. Planning to come back because if you lock a if you lock a rental van, right? Maybe your belongings are inside of it, and you don't want people to take it. But if your belongings are in the van, that means you're planning to come back. Did they find any clothes or just skeletons? I don't know. But then again, they never found any tracks or wallets oh, or keys yeah. or anything like that. So they must have had that stuff with them. And it says they found bones in 2009, but they disappeared in '96. Yes. So that. Like thirteen years later. Oh yeah. So, I don't know. That's the main theme of this episode. Is just I nobody knows, and this is why we stay out of the forest. <laughs> so let's talk about the Cowden family. Great name. This one we kind of have some closure to, but it's still real creepy. So they were reported missing in 1974. Seven and a half months later, police find their bodies. So they had been camping in the Siskiyou Mountains in Applegate, Oregon, over Labor Day of 1974, right? But they were supposed to be... This is why I don't go camping. For real. Why would you make yourself into a people burrito for some bear to come find? I don't understand. I would just make... I make myself into a people burrito anyways because it's cold in my house. Well, yeah, I do it in the... I mean, you've seen me become a people burrito. But I do it in the comfort of my own home where I'm much less likely to be eaten by a bear. I turned you into a people burrito. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> so they decided to go camping for Labor Day, right? But they don't, they were supposed to be at Richard Cowden's mom's house. So the husband's mom. They're supposed to have dinner with her on September 1st, so they never go. Like they never make it there. Media accounts from the time described their campsite as undisturbed, as if the family had left abruptly. 
investigators later postulated that they'd been abducted. And then their bodies were discovered in April of 1975, about 100 feet from the campsite. Which, let's talk about how it took seven and a half months to find bodies 100 feet away from where they were looking. Because that's just... uh, That's not even the weirdest part. So, Richard, the husband's body was found tied to a tree. Um, no, what? While the bodies of his wife and two small children were found in a cave with rocks sealing the entrance. Okay, tell me there's theories on this. Yeah, you heard me. This is my confession. Well, kind of. There's a confession. So, Dwayne Lee Little, who's a rapist and killer serving two life sentences, allegedly confessed to a fellow inmate that he murdered the Cowdens while he was on parole, but there was no conviction, so technically the case is still open. Was it a good confession? Well, I don't know. But even if it was, unless he made the same confession to police, it's hearsay and it's inadmissible in court. Okay, that's theory number one, which is probably not. I don't know. I think he probably did it, but they can't prove it. Is there any other theory? You know what I mean? Um, Not really. I mean, there was the theory that they had been abducted and they were still alive, but then that was kind of put to rest when they found the bodies a hundred feet away from where they had started. Like, not really much of an abduction. What if the dad, like, had a break and they managed to tie him up? But then why would they barricade themselves in a cave with no food and water? Like, okay, let's say that the dad's flipping out for some reason, so they decide, okay, well, we can't leave tonight. So for now, let's tie him to a tree, which weird decision, but okay. So they tie him to a tree. They're safe then. There's no need for them to go into a cave and like, what if they were afraid that he might break free? Even so, they would have had the time to bring the supplies in with them. You know what I mean? Like it's a mom and two kids against, let's say, against the dad. So that's six hands. You could put food, you could bring food and water in. Like, it sounds from the article that the New York Post wrote, the wife and kids were sealed alive in the cave with nothing, like, to keep them going. You know what I mean? I'm also thinking it's like seven months later, so stuff could have deteriorated. Maybe. I mean, it could be. It's not like they had the greatest detectives in the world working on it, clearly, because it took them seven and a half months again. When the bodies were 100 feet away from the campsite. That's not very far at all. That's very spooky. 100 feet, that's not even a football camp. Yeah. So, the last one I want to talk about is... It's actually three, but it's all in the Smoky Mountains National Park. Let's get it. Okay. So, um, it says, Three unsolved disappearances have haunted the Great Smoky Mountains National Park for over four decades. So the first was on June 4th, 1969. Um, So six-year-old Dennis Martin and his brother and two other boys in, um, they were playing in uh, the park's Spence Field while on their annual family camping trip. Again, bad choice. And they decided that they were going to sneak up on their family and scare them, you know, like six-year-olds do. So... The boys um, run to jump on the adults, but Dennis is gone. Nowhere to be found. They never heard anything else about him. Like, couldn't find any trace of him. So somewhere in between making the plan, getting ready to sneak up on the family, and actually sneaking up and scaring the family, 
the six-year-old kid is gone. What if he's a wizard? He accidentally apparated. He <laughs> <laughs> splinched himself. I don't want to think of something that negative, but I'm thinking maybe like he just like didn't realize one. I don't know. Like that one to me feels like there was someone else in the field with them that they didn't notice who took the little boy. But again, speculation. It's kind of like that. Uh, the podcast in the dark talking about uh, Jacob Wetterling, the Jacob Wetterling case. Yeah. And just like there is just someone else. Yeah. We talk about how they found the answer to that one because that's crazy. Yeah. That yeah. It was solved recently. Out, it was an right? eight case from the eighties that they solved a couple, like this year or last year. I think it was last year. I just got really sad, so I had to stop listening to that podcast. I was getting a little depressed. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So then the second one was on October 8th, 1976. Um, while on a horticulture field trip with 40 of her classmates, 16-year-old Trenny Lynn Gibson was hiking along Andrews Bald, and no one remembered seeing her after um, 3 p.m. Again. So searches continued for months, but they never found her. Schools, why are we going to the woods? I get it's cheap. But no. Well, and I mean, horticulture field trip. Okay. I get that. But, and I get that it's the 70s. But how do you not, I mean, there's 40 classmates. Yeah. How does no one notice that she's not part of it? Like, do you not do a head count every so often? Really? Do you not have an exit buddy? They used to do head counts when we went to the library. Like, and you're going to go up a mountain and not do a head count. Really? Maybe that's why they do head counts now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, not surprising. Okay, so we have the six-year-old, we have 16-year-old. The last one is 58-year-old Thelma Polly Melton, who was hiking on a trail she'd been on a lot of times before near Deep Creek Campground on September 25th in 1981. So she was with friends when they were all hiking together, and she decided to walk a little bit ahead and went over, like, the top of a hill. But when they get to the other side, like everyone else catches up and gets to the other side, she's gone. Like they checked that whole trail. They checked the campground where they were staying and she wasn't there. So like it says all three disappearances ignited massive search efforts. Dennis Martin, the six-year-olds, cost $65,000 without so wait, a single trace of any The six-year-old was in the, seven, the 60s, right? Hers was, uh, the 16-year-old was in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So how old would the 6-year-old be in the 70s? Like, when she... Yep. No, when the girl disappeared. Now? Uh, the little boy, uh, the little boy was 6 in 69, so... Hang on. Let's find out. Let's do some math. 1970, 60, 63. He would have been 13 when the girl disappeared. And she was 16, and then... The woman disappeared, what? In 1981, so five years later. I don't know. To me, it seems like a little family. I mean, kind of. I can see that. Maybe someone's just looking for a family. Maybe. A Sasquatch is looking for a family. Getting them a kid. Daughter. Wife. <laughs> there was an episode of The X-Files there where, like, the female Sasquatch was, like, stealing kids because she wanted a family. I think that was I've never seen The X-Files. Oh my goodness, really? It's good. I, I mean, I can't really talk because 
I didn't see it until after I moved in with Erin. And she told me I was crazy for not having seen it. So My mom, my parents aren't big into sci-fi, so. It's pretty good. It's kind of like, it's sort of like Supernatural in where there's like a monster of the week kind of thing, but an overarching storyline too. But like the monster of the week is a little bit more regular on the X-Files than it is on Supernatural because they kind of get bogged down in their own stuff on Supernatural, which is fine. But this is why you really should stay out of the forest because it's just not going to end well. Oh, definitely can't avoid it because someone likes to run into the woods. Schnitzel, do you know who that could be? She's snapping. She's snapping. <laughs> Nope. She's like, nope, no idea. But yeah, those are like a few stories out of like thousands that end the mostly the same way. Like, it's crazy. And you never hear about it unless you're in, like, unless you live near the park that's involved. And even then, probably not getting the whole story. Well, I'll, I'll end it happy. Schnitzel turned two this week. She got a little flannel coat. Super cute. <laughs> oh good yay it's really cute cool. um but yeah so now that we've talked about a lot of depressing things just imagine schnitzel running around outside in her flannel coat i saw that it was really cute i bet you could find these missing people with that flannel coat she'd be like yep got him let's go she's not that good no oh very distracted <laughs> very distracted <laughs> she would get distracted along the way um also thank you to our new listeners we have some new international listeners in one of the weird places, Finland. Right. Hi, Finland. Hello. <laughs> Poor Ashley gets these ridiculous texts. I don't I don't say anything. I just, in all caps, name either states or countries at her. I just get these new locations popping up on my phone yelling yeah. at me. And I'm not complaining. It's fun. Um, but I'm singling out Finland because I am Finnish, so. Yay. Maybe it's a long-lost relative of yours. They're like, we found her. Well, they probably wouldn't know because our Finnish, this is it's my grandpa's family and it's uh, Corpy. So oh, it's not my last okay, name. They wouldn't have found me that way. Oh, a different last name. But let's, let's wrap this shit up. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Chorus, Podbean. And if we are not on your preferred app, let us know so we can get on that. Um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps spread the word. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast. And we are now on Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity. Um, you can get the episode tip-off, recipe of the week, and additional information about the week's topics. If you'd like to suggest a recipe or topic, email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Long distance high five. Schnitzel's joining in too. Long distance high five. Schnitzel, high five. Long distance high five. Schnitzel too. High five. No, she's sitting on a rug.